Good morning once again. We are continuing in this season after Easter to walk with Luke's gospel and find out everything that happens after the resurrection of Jesus. Last Sunday, Steve Fainer was here, and he, that's why I had to move the steps so I could get higher like him. Uh, he's tall. Um, and he preached about the story of the road to Emmaus. And so we pick up that same story today to continue on. Those, there had been two disciples walking on the road out to Emmaus on that first Sunday of Easter, and a mysterious stranger came up to them started talking to them, was opening the scriptures to them, but they didn't know who he was. We continue the story today from Luke chapter 24, verses 28 to 35. Listen. As they came near the village to which they were going, he walked ahead as if he were going on. But they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, because it is almost evening, and the day is now nearly over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, blessed and broke it, and gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he vanished from their sight. They said to each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he was walking on, with us on the road, while he opened the scriptures to us? That same hour, they got up and returned to Jerusalem, and they found the eleven and their companions gathered together. They were saying, The Lord has risen indeed, and he has appeared to Simon. Then they told what had happened on the road, and how he had been made known to them in the breaking of the bread. And this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, I want to say hi and good morning again to those who are worshiping with us online today, those who will listen to this as a sermon podcast later in the week, and of course to all of you here in person this morning. Um, have you ever been to a restaurant with, um, and sat at a table with your family and with little kids? Little ki oh, you laugh. Maybe it was you when you were uh, younger with your siblings, or maybe as a parent with your own children, you know what this is like, or as a grandparent, or taking care of little ones, even with nephews or nieces or squirrely cousins. You know how it is. Kids get so wiggly, they can't sit still. And then you have to wait for the, for the waitress or waiter to come, and you have to wait for your food to arrive. And for adults, it's just all part of the, part of the deal. It's like going out to dinner. It's kind of fun. But with kids, it can feel like it takes forever. So in our family, um, to, uh, to address this, we invented a table game, a table game that helps us in our waiting. And I want to teach it to you today. It's called Happy, Sad, Crazy. So first, I need you to help me out and look at somebody next to you and show them your happy face. Happy. Ha happy. Okay, now look at somebody and give them a sad face. Oh, sad face. There's a lot of bottom lips involved in sad faces, just really pouty. And the last one, show, show them your crazy face. That's how it is. Okay, some of you with masks were really enjoying this game. <laughs> like, what's going on under there? Uh, so here's how the game works. If you want to try it at home at your own dinner table or luncheon today with your friends, um, everyone covers their, their hands over their face so you can't see, right? And then you count one, two, three, and on the count of three, you, you open your hands and you show either happy, sad, or crazy. Okay, and you earn one point at the table game. You earn one point if you're the only one at the table with that face. 
If you're unique, you get it. If you're the only one making a sad face, you get a point. If two people have happy, they don't get any points. And you can count on it with Theo, he'll always be crazy. <laughs> so you can block him by being crazy too, or you can try to get a, a point the other way. Somebody else has a crazy one as well, I see. Um, so we play, we play the game up to five or maybe ten, depending how long you have to wait. Okay. I don't know what it is, but there's something really kind of delightful, fun, joyful, interesting in um, having somebody hide their, their face behind their hands and then open it up to reveal their face, to reveal themselves, to show you how they look. Um, it's, it's sort of like you can't get through the game without laughing and almost crying because of how silly it becomes. I wonder if it's that way with babies when you play peekaboo, you know, those little babies? And they just love to see you, no matter what kind of face you're doing, play peekaboo with them. We have this gospel story today from the gospel of Luke where Jesus is with these disciples on the road, but for some reason, we don't know why, they're kept from recognizing him. It says that they cannot recognize him on the road. It's as if he's had his hands up on his face and they can't see him, who he is, what he looks like, what he's about behind it. And so they go to this house in a village, and Jesus is, is planning to continue on. He keeps going straight down the road, and these two friends, they urge him, and they ask him, and they invite him to please come in and stay with them for a while. It's almost nighttime, and being out on the road at night is, is not really a good thing to do, so they want him to come in. Besides, this stranger they've been getting to know, this one who's been talking with them and opening the scriptures and um, and in speaking with them, it's, there's something about him. They want to get to know him more, and so they invite him in. They say, please come and stay with us for a while. And Jesus accepts their invitation. It, it reminds us of what Christ says in the book of Revelation. You've heard it before. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and eat with you and you with me. And that's what happens here. It's sort of this picture of hospitality and welcome. He goes in and, he, and they sit down together at the table. And immediately we become aware. This is exactly what Jesus was doing like four days earlier. Sitting down at table, reclining at the table with his disciples. So we as listeners and hearers of a Bible story, we're immediately clued in and cued in. Something here is the same as it was when Jesus was at the table. Around this dinner table, Jesus took the bread, and he blessed it, and he broke it, and he gave it to them. And that is when their eyes were opened. That is when they recognized his presence with them. He dropped his hands from his face, and he's not happy, he's not sad, he's not crazy. He's the risen Lord Jesus right there with them. And that's where these disciples see the one who is with them, the one who is near to them. It's in the breaking of the bread. And so here we're on a Sunday with a communion Sunday set before us here at the table, and we are about to have this communion meal just like we do every single month. And this story in the Bible is teaching us something very important, and this is the main thing I want you to, to learn today or hear today from this um, Bible lesson. It's about what happens in communion. What do we believe happens in communion? So the first thing we believe is that God is with us all the time, right? God is always with us. In every circumstance of life, whether we're celebrating and rejoicing or if we're mourning and grieving, in our highs and our lows, in the faces of other people, in acts of kindness, in moments of wonder, in our need for forgiveness, in all times and places, God is with us. Church, say amen. amen. 
That's right. But the reality is that although we believe God is always with us, always present in our lives, most of the time, if you're honest, you don't recognize it, right? You don't see it. You don't go around all day being like, Jesus is right next to me all day long, even if we believe that it's true. So what happens in communion is we become aware in a special way, a particular way, that Christ is with us. We become aware that Christ is here. We are called to pay attention to things we could otherwise miss. Maybe it reminds us of the classic poem by Elizabeth Barrett Browning, where she writes, Earth's crammed with heaven and every common bush afire with God, but only he who sees takes off his shoes. The rest sit around and pluck blackberries. We live in a big, wide world which is crammed full of God's presence. God is always with us. But most of the time, we sit around plucking blackberries because we do not see it. Am I talking to you or just to myself? We want to see it. We want to glimpse it. We want to sense it. So how can we do that? How can we get close to that presence of God to know it in a particular way? How could it happen? Where could it happen? I once worked in a church in New Jersey um, that had a, a practice where at the end of a Sunday worship, every week, we would, we would lock arms across the pews. This is before COVID. And we would lock arms all the way across the pews, and we would sing this same ending-sending song every single week. Every week, we'd, we'd link arms and sing this song. This is what the song said. Surely the presence of the Lord is in this place. I can feel his mighty power and his grace. I can hear the brush of angels' wings. I see glory on each face. Surely the presence of the Lord is in this place. And we sang it every week. And I don't know about you, but to me, that sounds like a very bold claim, a bold claim for the church to make, right? That surely when we gather in worship and in fellowship and in study and in song and in prayer and in service, surely the presence of the Lord is with us? Surely Jesus himself is in this room? Because I was part of that church for about a year, and I was in worship just about every Sunday. To be honest, a lot of the time I was not sure that those words were true. Surely the presence of the Lord is here? There we were, sitting in a pew, just like you today. Somebody up in the front was talking. People in robes were singing. Somebody was playing a guitar. There were greeters and ushers and bulletins and all the rest. Just normal stuff. And I'll bet you have felt this way too, even maybe here in our church, a church that we love. Sometimes you feel it. Maybe sometimes you don't. Here's what we know as Christian people, we who are trying to live out like a spiritual life, a way of being open with God is that when we show up and come to this place, we put ourselves in position to get to know God. We put ourselves in position. You can't manufacture it. You can't mechanistically make it happen, but you put yourselves in position. You open yourselves and say, here I am, Lord. Are you in this place? Show it to me. Of course, of course, you can go out and find God in the woods in a hike, in a sunset, at the beach, in your yoga practice, at a family reunion, in your workplace, at school. All that is great. You could do it. You can. But since we don't typically open ourselves spiritually in those settings, we don't always find ourselves open to the things of God out in any old place, sometimes we need a particular place, 
a particular way. And that's what coming to worship and gathering around the table is for Christians. We follow the pattern of the first disciples who came to, into a space around a table, breaking bread, and in that time and place, they got to see Jesus. So in our story today, they were at the table, and Jesus took the bread, blessed it, broke it, and gave it to them. And the verb, the Greek verb that, G, that is used for Jesus taking the bread, he took bread, it says this. This took, it means he actively laid hold of, even aggressively accepting what was, ava- what was available. What was Jesus doing? Taking that bread, taking hold of it aggressively. It says, it wasn't just passive. Oh, I wonder if I'll show up in anyone's, to anyone today. I wonder if the breaking of the bread will have any impact on them. I wonder if people's eyes will be open. No. Jesus takes the bread with intention. He knows that this is a normal, everyday moment, having a meal. Everyone does it every day. But when he takes it with intention and breaks the bread, he knows that it will become a holy moment, a sacramental moment, a time when we get to see who Jesus is. We live in a world that is sacramental. There are, it is possible for us to um, see the things of God anywhere, but we're blind most of, it, most of the time. We're busy, we're hurrying, we're distracted. Some people are texting while they're driving, not me. Some of you are listening to podcasts in the shower or at 1.5 speed to get through more podcasts. <laughs> so we can miss the burning bush moments. So how then can we, I mean, we modern people, um, get to a moment, find a moment, see a moment where Jesus could actually show up. This is the meaning of communion. That's what it is. We take hold of an ordinary thing, bread or juice or wine, and it becomes sacramental, a holy mystery where Christ is truly present. And in that, in that time, we become more aware of God. That's what happens in communion. A couple of days after um, Easter, a friend of mine texted me, don't worry, I wasn't driving, um, and he invited me out to lunch. He said, hey, I haven't seen you in a while. Let's, let's have lunch, no agenda. Let's have lunch, no agenda. I said, okay. So we went out to eat, something that we do, that all of us have to do every day, right? We all have to eat all the time, but what made this time, this particular time, holy or sacramental for me was it was an extended period of talk, catch up connect, hear about each other's families and work and lives, and make space for something other than just putting food in our mouths. It had been a while since I took such a long lunch. And that's, I think, what a sacrament is like. And the amazing thing is, while we were there having that lunch, we ran into a couple of other people from the church who were also having a long lunch together, who were also caring for each other, listening to each other, catching up after a time. Back in that church in New Jersey, those years ago, you know, that sang every Sunday, surely the presence of the Lord is in this place. I didn't feel it every week. I didn't feel it every time. And that's just being honest. But the longer I I spent there, the more time I spent in that place with those people on a regular basis where we gathered together around the things of God, the more I got to know what Jesus was like. The more I got to know who Jesus was the more I got to know God's love, the more I became aware of Christ's presence for me. So I want to end today by showing you a picture um, because I know some of you are visual learners, okay? And you're like Pavlovian dogs. You're like looking, where's the picture? (laughs) Picture. 
published online. Maybe you've seen it. These are, these are whale watchers. It's, it's in Baja, California. Um, they're out looking for a whale. Where could it be? They've got their binoculars and their cameras and their equipment. And they're looking everywhere that the whale isn't. Uh, or they're looking where the whale isn't currently visibly present. And some of us maybe have been like them. We're looking everywhere for that whale when it's present right over here. And this is the invitation I want to give you today, is that we would also approach this communion time together today, and that we would turn and look to see Jesus where he is present for us, where he does show up, and we see him. (laughs) Maybe you will have a eureka moment like these whale watchers. Maybe Jesus will be made known to you today in the breaking of the bread, but here's the thing, here's the thing. In order to get to that moment, you got to get in the boat, right? In order to play happy, sad, crazy, you've got to sit down at the table with your kids or your family. In order to sing that song, surely the presence of the Lord is in this place, you've got to show up in this place. In order to make a lunch turn out to be a sacrament with a friend, you've got to take time, set apart time with intention. We believe that God is with us everywhere and anywhere but also that Jesus shows up for us a little bit more clearly when we follow this pattern. Take the bread, something ordinary and normal, and trust that God can turn it into something extraordinary, sacramental, even holy. I pray that for you today. Amen.